Welcome to Two Guys, One Book, where two friends tackle their reading list one book at a time. Welcome, everybody, to Two Guys, One Book. I am one of your co-hosts, Brian, and I'm joined, as always, by my other co-host, Tim. Tim. And this is a special episode. We're not reviewing one book. We are giving an overview of all the 50 books we have read throughout um, the last several years. Um, so we're not going to go through the whole list. So if there's, if you want to check them out, go to our website, twoguysonebook.com, all spelled out, twoguysonebook.com. You can see all 50 of them. You can find our podcasts, you know, like you can go back in the history and, and check them out if you want to listen to past episodes. But today we're going to kind of just talk about the highs, the lows, the what could have been, you know, the regrets we may have had and uh, the fun we've had along the way as well. So Tim, first of all, how for you, how has this process been? Has this been lived up to your expectations of having a podcast? So, yeah, you know, I don't know if I had a huge expectations going into it. It was kind of like, let's just try this and see how it goes. But uh, I would say I'm very glad to have done it. Thank you for going on this journey with me. And uh, yeah, it's been quite the ride. Highs and lows. Uh, some books we probably regret picking, but uh, overall, it's been a great experience. How about you? Yeah, no, I feel like this was this was a good, um, uh, I think the genesis of this idea was uh, pure and, and came from a good place where you and I want to do some sort of routine activity together. We both listen to a lot of podcasts. We both like them. And, and we got encouragement from some of our friends that said that they would, they would, they find our conversation somewhat entertaining or engaging at least. And so that kind of got the ball rolling there. And then I think we wanted, I think you brought up a good point that said you wanted some other auxiliary benefit of doing the podcast so that if the podcast were to do to amount to nothing, because let's face it, it hasn't, we haven't become rich and famous from this podcast. Hate to break it to you, Tim, but you wanted some other benefit and you and I both like to read books. And at the time we weren't reading very many books or as many books as we thought we wanted to. And this helped us branch out, read more, uh, in general. Um, and, and, you know, uh, we took turns picking books, which I think was natural and, and we both have similar interests, but also, you know, we picked other books that the other person would have never read too. And so it got us to really, um, expand our repertoire of books and I've thoroughly enjoyed it. And I think this has been, you know, I, I just feel like sometimes I'm, I just kind of sh- read the book and then I show up and I, we just kind of chit chat and it's pretty natural for me. I, I think you do the much more preparation on the normal day-to-day episodes where you have questions or comments at least something yeah i well first of all go back to what you said shout out to ryan and chelsea for giving us the inspiration i think they were the first ones i don't know if they said it sarcastically like you guys should start a podcast but <laughs> regardless we went ahead and did it um and i will say the marketing effort in this has basically been zero so yep. uh not to say if we marketed better we would be rich in payments because probably not but um but more than anything, I think it was an experiment and a way to keep in touch and uh, and to hold each other accountable to read more like a gym buddy for the mind. Um, and yeah, great analogy as well <laughs> from all the books I read. I just <laughs> pull those out of nowhere. Uh, but yeah, so it's it's been good. Yeah, for sure. And I can't believe 50 books. It seems like, you know, like some, I mean, 50 books is a lot, but you know, like some people can read that in a year. But, um, you know, I, I feel like this is a good benchmark to reach and, and reflect and see of all the things we've read. Do you know when our first book was our first episode, uh, 2018 sometime? What day exactly? It was May of 2018. Mm-hmm. So we've been doing this for five years. Can you believe that? It's flown by. Yeah. It's hard to believe. It is really hard to believe. But, um, you know, we, we've done, we, we, we started out pretty good. We did nine books in 2018 and 2019. We did 10 books in 2020 pandemic year. Shout out to COVID for how to, you know, read more because we had nowhere to go. 2021, we did nine books again, and then we've been falling off the bandwagon a little bit. 2022, we only did seven. And then 2023, we've only done six. So, um, I think. I didn't realize it was that steady. I thought it was a little more sporadic, but nine, nine, ten, nine, our first four years, uh, was pretty good. So I guess this is technically the sixth year. We've been doing it for five and a half years, but mm. besides the point. 
that's pretty good. That's about almost a book a month, maybe like six, eight weeks. And, uh, you know, and considering you read on the side, we both have like our own lives and jobs and stuff. It's, it's not my bad. Right. Exactly. I think it's pretty impressive. So should we just jump into it right away? Like what, what were the extreme highs and extreme lows favorites and least? Yeah. Yeah. So why don't we start with the positive stuff? So your five-star books. Can I, should I just rattle them all? Go for it. Go for it. Okay, we've got uh, Rendezvous with Rama by Arthur C. Clarke, When Breath Becomes Air by Paul Kalamithi, uh, I think. Uh, American War by Omar El-Akkad, Exhalation by Ted Chang, and Fulfillment by Alec McGillis. Right. That's all right? Yes. I mean, I think, you know, going through my five stars are uh, a very random assortment of books. I did not, it surprised me that I only did, I mean, like that those were the only five. Um, but then again, I'm, I would, I withhold my five stars pretty, um, I, uh, I withhold my five stars in general as a rule because I want, if you give everything a five, then where do you go from there? You know? So I guess, you know, I was thinking like of these, which one would probably be my favorite one of them. And this might surprise you, Tim, but it's actually Exhalation. And that was a Tim pick. You do. Oh, <laughs> beautiful. I'm I'm not starting this review <laughs> podcast off on the right foot here by cl- claiming that my favorite book we've read of the last five and a half years was one that Tim picked. Uh, and why was it your favorite? It was just so unique. It was a short story collection of science fiction stories by Ted Chang. Um, Ted Chang, uh, one of his previous short stories was adapted into the movie Arrival. And I just rewatched that again a month or two ago. And oh my gosh, it's one of my favorite movies too. So like I need to read that collection of stories that he that he wrote previously. Exhalation had just come out, I think, in twenty eighteen or nineteen. So it was relatively new. You picked it because you saw Arrival. And I tell you, all the stories are so unique that I still remember some of them today. And it's just it just was so much fun to read. Yeah, you know, that's, it's funny. That's my favorite book as well of all that we've read. And maybe it's because we both have some interest in like sci-fi or philosophy, philosophical type books, but um, he's just such a great writer and so many interesting stories that have creative premises and are just very well written and developed and just a wide variety. So such a great book. I'm excited. I think some of those will surely get adapted into like movies and TV series. It's just a matter of time. So We'll see how his universe uh, expands beyond Arrival. Yeah. Yeah. So, man, we're already agreeing right off the bat. Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> of all the- We'll have some controversy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. We'll surprise each other later. But, like, I really like When Breath Becomes Air and Fulfillment about Amazon. So, like, I really like those. But for, like, favorite, it's just, like, you know, something that, to me, favorite also means you can read it again, right? And... You know, when breath becomes air, I might read again in the future. But um, exhalation, I feel like those stories are so unique and and uh, creative that I feel like I can reread that. You can, yeah, I agree. You get it's easy to pick back up again. I think, and uh, it's nice. You got a good variety of genres there, like you said, science fiction, fiction, nonfiction, memoir, uh, short stories. So it's a good mix. But what were your uh, what were your other five star books? <clears throat> Yeah, so I've got Exhalation and then The Book Thief, which was a Brian pick. I thought that was very well done. And then uh, Between the World and Me by Ta Nahisi Coates. And then On the Road by Jack Kerouac. Yeah. Which you gave a two. So that was actually our biggest gap in, right. in rating, which is kind of interesting. Right. But in doing the research, when I went back and, and, and listened to the end of all the episodes to get the ratings, I actually had it as a one. And you talked me up to a two. Yes. Which is ridiculous. <laughs> it's a one. It could have been worse. Now, and I'm, then no, that is absolutely, that is my least favorite What do you hate book. about All the Road So Much? It's just like, nobody is likable. The characters don't actually do anything. They just kind of like, yeah, man, we just go drive around and like, you know, do this for a little bit, work here, and that woman's crazy, and now I'm going to go over here. And that Dean, oh man, nobody can stand that Dean, but I'm friends with him because I don't know why, you know, like it just, uh, I mean, I, I get it. You, you love it because it's like a foregone era that is no longer, you know, people can hitchhike across the country and feel safe. You can work a job here, work a job there and get enough money to, to support yourself and all this stuff, blah, 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 blah. But that, those days are over, Tim. 
you know, that's that's a fantasy <laughs> world now. So I just didn't like it. You're all. such a hater, Brian. I am. I okay. First of all, I didn't love that book because I talked about hitchhiking, but <laughs> I think your critiques of it are some of the same things as like I would say about fear and loathing in Las Vegas, which we both I think gave like uh, fours to. So, uh, but then again, not much happened there. But I think Hunter S. Thompson is just a good writer, has a unique style. But um, yeah, I think that uh, on the road just captured like the in- interesting time in American history and this beat generation between like the World War II era uh generation and then like the hippie generation so you had this kind of like middle ground lost generation which i think different people could probably relate to different aspects of it um in some ways so yeah i and i think it was just kind of a fun adventure story even if it didn't have as much depth as some people might argue uh i enjoyed it yeah on the road and it's fine uh we'll listen to you yeah those are my fives uh do we want to talk about the negative ones too you've got a lot of negative ratings very with yeah I mean, on the road with my favorite book. I know. I, I, what I found interesting was that I gave a couple ones, but Tim, you didn't give any ones. Nope. No, no ones. I guess I'm just a more positive person. Oh, my. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's, do you want to list them off or do you want me to? Yeah. I think basically I only gave two ones. It was The Post Office by Charles Bukowski and How Innovation Works by Matt Ridley. Both Tim picks. <laughs> because let's be real i'm not gonna i'm not gonna i'm not i know myself well enough to not pick a book that i think i might not like but yeah this is the point of the podcast to get us out of our comfort zone and read other things that i might never read ever again so mm-hmm. but i'm saying on the road should be, should have been a one too but since <laughs> so three ones and then you had that would leave you with seven twos yeah so it looks like those are all 10 picks as well <laughs> <laughs> really no no no, no. i did I gave Blood Meridian. The Pioneers. And the Pioneers. And Blood Meridian. Yeah, yeah we're okay. two two of my picks that I gave two. So I'm willing to give books that I picked a two. All right. That's what they are mostly yours. Lots of twos. <laughs> yeah. Do you, want, do you want to talk about uh, any of these books and what you just like about them? I mean, that's the thing is like sometimes a book can stick with you because you just find it so unappealing like on the road <laughs> or, or or no oh or the post office the post office is similar because it's just about this guy that's kind of adrift and there was nothing that really significantly happened and then how innovation works was just very repetitive and just like okay i get it like i got the premise about a quarter of the way through the book and then we had to read the whole thing so that was all i mean and i just felt like you know sometimes it's my mood too you know like why did i rate those ones instead of twos maybe because i was just feeling spiteful that day you know <laughs> <laughs> didn't have your morning coffee and just didn't feel great right uh but i, but I will say that i rated the laws of human nature by robert green a two as well but that one actually stuck with me a lot more than i um remembered i mean well i mean no it stuck with me just longer after i read that book i would remember recall because he used a lot of examples from history like historical figures explained how they approached different topics of human behavior or human nature and it just um was able to to lodge itself in my mind a little bit so i could i thought about it more as the months i would say even a good year later i was still thinking about that book some um in positive ways so that was that was okay for it too i mean it was just super long that's the one down south. Yeah. Some of these books felt like a slog at the time, but I've like given, you know, looking back at it, then maybe it's worth rereading some of them. And that's one that I could see myself uh, revisiting at some point. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, oh, I was just going to say for a lot of these twos you gave, a lot of the books I would gave like a three. So I was pretty close to you in the sentiment. But I think just like for the pioneers and how innovation works, like I just like the topics being covered as well, which, you know, that probably just gave it gives an automatic two two stars in my book. Yeah. Book, so maybe that's not fair, but um, but yeah. Anyway, my twos. Uh, I didn't give any ones, like we said. I only gave it to to the one hundred year old man who climbed out the window and disappeared, which was a ten pick. And then I gave a two point five to Blink, which is the only half rating. And looking back on it, I would have given it a two. <laughs> so yeah, cop out. <laughs> okay, you know what's funny. We, I, 
went back and listened to that and um we had this i went on this whole rant about like 3.5 shouldn't be allowed because uh <laughs> that's like seven and seven out of ten is a cop-out score but you know 2.5 is five out of ten which you know that's fair so yeah but <laughs> you know what it, it's a two we just say <laughs> all right all right that's fair no uh, yeah i think can I rant about Mac- Malcolm Gladwell one more time? Oh, third. <laughs> oh, bring it out. Let's go. <laughs> I just still don't love that pop science airport book and genre. Um, I think he just has all these broad anecdotal stories and tries to connect them into these seemingly profound ideas. And I think it's just a lot of hype, but I'm just a hater. So, you know, that's all. Yeah. <laughs> Haters going to hate. Hate, hate, hate. <laughs> All right, all right. So those are the extremes. Do we want to go to the uh, uh, questions we had for each other? Yeah, you want to? Sure. Is it, or unless there's anything else you wanted to. Well, I just think talk about before that. Let's say is yeah, yeah. Our biggest rating difference was on the road, post office, and how innovation works. Yeah, which makes sense. We already covered those, so we can move on. Yeah. All right. Cool. Question time. Should we just go down the list? Yeah. Sounds good. All right. I would say when breath becomes air definitely uh, stuck with me just because, you know, it's this um, 36-year-old uh, neurosurgeon, right? Um, and he's talking about how he has this, like, cancer diagnosis. And uh, the book just kind of talks about his thought process and focuses on mortality and, like, how precious life is. And it's just it's pretty incredible to read from someone like going through that and um, just seeing their perspective and what they're thinking at the time. So I think it's a pretty powerful book. I, I would recommend this one to a lot of people. Yeah, for sure. Good pick. Cause like, yeah, like I, like we covered, that's one of my five star books. It, it is one of my favorites. Um, but yeah, I, it's a quick book too. Easy read. It has a lot of good insights to it. So um, yeah, that's a good pick. I would say uh, for, for me, books that stuck with me after reading it i kind of mentioned laws of human nature that was one but that was that was more like oh little things here or there um but the main one for me is coddling of the american mind because we read that one like years like that was like our first year or so but like i just constantly think about that the more and more the crazier the society gets i just feel like so many um themes that they hit on in their book um just resonate today and and even more as we become more divided over you know especially school issues school boards and books in the library and all this other stuff i just i just feel like we need to take a step back and 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 think about you know how is this going to affect the 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 development of young people and young people should learn that they're resilient they can handle hard topics they can handle things that are uncomfortable to them uh, because it'll just make them better in the long run. So I would say that's the book that stuck with me the most. Huh. Yeah, that's uh, I enjoy that book as well. I think to some degree, like every generation probably has certain feelings to like one that comes after it or later on. So, um, but it's not as simple as like boomers versus Gen Z or like millennials. And, you know, it's um, that's an oversimplification, but it's interesting to see these topics brought up in the news and then having the context of someone who's like written about it deeply. Um, but also I think like there are a lot of phases in the news and things probably get blown out of proportion. So I, I don't know. I hope a lot of these like issues aren't as long-term, uh, problematic as they might seem and if they get sensationalized to some extent, but, um, it's still important topics to read when you think about like schools and policies and that kind of thing. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And then another one, one, one other book I'll mention is the wind up bird chronicle is like, it's interesting because like it's a novel super long murakami novel right Mm -hmm. and so creative and and uh has some magical realism to it and like there's things about that that just lingered with me after i read it so that just was one thing that was nice about that book yeah you know uh you should check out some of those other books because i've read a few others and like them probably a bit more but uh, Wind Up Bird Chronicle is probably one I would also revisit just because there's probably more to it that I didn't appreciate at the time just because it was quite long. <laughs> but um, he's got a unique style. He's very talented. And so, uh, yeah, that's worth a read. Uh, but one other one I would say, too, is um, Between the World and Me, uh, which was a U-pick. And I thought that was uh, did a great job of just talking about, like, 
uh, the important subject of like race and society in America and just from someone's perspective who's like um, had a lot of powerful like lived experiences. So I think that's a, a book um, everyone should read too. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, starting off strong. Nice, I like it. Uh, should I, uh, should we alternate? Yeah, sure, let's do that. Okay. What is your favorite genre now and has it changed since the start of the podcast? Yeah. Or have your personal tastes evolved throughout? Yeah. Um, well, you know, I think starting this podcast, uh, like we said at the start, start of this, this episode, you know, it was something we, we both wanted to just read more, you know? So first of all, it just helped me read so much more than I used to. And I will, and I will say like before I would just be purely more of a fiction reader, just novels and, 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 you know, fictional stories, uh, written by, you know, you know, your standard, uh, authors, but then like doing this podcast, getting exposed to more nonfiction, I, that like, that is like my to read to my books to read list is like all nonfiction now. It's like, there's so many interesting topics out there about, you know, like that piqued my interest. So like, it, it's definitely like, you know, current events, you know, so social, uh, and you know, political, uh, uh, news and 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 that kind of stuff like the how we live in the world and that kind of thing um i think humankind was one book that i picked that i that was right up my alley um that i really enjoyed you know maybe you know like uh it was it focused a lot on like past social experiments and how they may have not properly captured the human experience or human um instincts but um i would say definitely i've become much more of a nonfiction uh fan and have a better idea of what kind of nonfiction I like too. Yeah. Uh, similar to that, uh, genre, or I would say something similar, which is like, we read a lot of books, um, the road to unfreedom, the coddling of the American mind. We talked about, uh, soul of America breaking the two party doom loop. So we did a lot of like modern American political societal nonfiction, which, um, it's a, maybe an oversaturated genre. And I think a lot of books come out that may not hold up or stand the test of time, but, a lot of these I actually enjoyed pretty well and, and it gets you to see current events a little differently. So um, I think we had some good picks in that area. Oh, absolutely. And 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 you're right. It's it's a it's a difficult needle to thread because they want to be timely and they want to be they want to sell. So they want to, you know, publish sooner rather than later about a certain when it's about a certain topic, especially in, in society that can change over the course of a decade or even less. So you're right. Some of the you know nonfiction books we've read can maybe uh, fade as time goes on, but then I think there's others that we I think we've done a good job of picking some that have really um, stood up to the test of time, like that Road to Unfreedom one in particular. Yeah, especially as like issues in Russia escalated in the past like several years, um, we just have a little extra context just having read that and seeing things through the perspective of the author shared from being like an expert in that area of international relations so that's been uh pretty cool yeah agreed yeah cool oh uh yeah one other genre i would say uh even though we only really one uh read one book and it is mysteries i enjoy that agatha christie book and uh so that's a genre i'd probably like to uh read a bit more of it's kind of fun it, yeah i enjoyed that book as well and i feel like but like that's just it. That's what we're talking about oversaturation. There's so many mystery books out. Like yeah, the like that's like the John Grisham, the David Baldacci, the, the would you call? I mean, like there's so many like books similar to that that it would be you could keep you could just read it till the end of time and never run out of material when it comes to. It. <laughs> that's true. There there's a lot in there, but um, but you know there are some classics that are probably worth yeah checking out. Yeah, that's a good one. Mystery. All right. All right, Tim, what book would you, would you give a second chance and maybe read it again? I would say the first one that came to mind was Blood Meridian. And, um, the reason is I think Cormac McCarthy is a great writer. I just had a hard time getting into it because, uh, it's hard for me to visualize it. It took place in like the mid 1850s and like the wild west and this developing country. And if I, I think if I did more research outside of the book for like the setting and the themes in the book, I might have had a deeper appreciation for it. So I think that's why I could see myself revisited. Yeah. Yeah. Good answer. Because like I, um, I thought about Cormac McCarthy, but I thought like I probably wouldn't want to reread Blood Meridian because like he has such an extensive library that I would probably choose other 
Cormac McCarthy because I picked Blood Meridian because I had read The Road and I had read No Country for Old Men and I liked those books and Blood Meridian kind of let me down but I know he just passed away recently and he had, he wrote like two books right before he passed away so I'm you know I'll probably like look into those maybe um, but the one I the the book on our of our 50 books that I thought about is The Moviegoer. Oh, interesting. How come? I don't remember very much what happened in it because it was like one of our earlier picks. Um, it is, uh, th- this was the one where the guy talked about the malaise, right? Like he was walking through life with a malaise or something. And I'm like, I didn't, yeah. quite, it didn't quite resonate with me at the time, but I feel like, um, you know, like I'm a big existentialist fan. I like Albert Camus. So like, I feel like the movie goer maybe at a different time in my life, maybe it would resonate with me more. Um, so that's the one I, I thought of. Yeah. That reminds me of, um, the very profound breakthrough I had in that, uh, a podcast a few episodes ago where I said, <laughs> books are like relationships and it's all about timing and the relationship you have with that book. And, uh, yeah, I just thought that was a pretty powerful statement. So, oh yeah. Very, you're right. <laughs> you did have a very powerful statement. <laughs> Look, I just got to celebrate that one yeah. out of 50 books in five years. I got one, <laughs> one to yeah. take way to, way to quote yourself. That's very, yeah. <laughs> I think it's true though. Like it's like, man, was I that your life relationship? What's <laughs> yeah. it? Abraham Lincoln or who was that? <laughs> Uh, oh, that was me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, I think there's some truth to it, though, because, like, you know, you might appreciate a book a lot more if you're going through the events similar to those described in the book or that the character is going through. So it's just about, like, connecting to the story and the people. Uh, Do you have any others besides um, Moviegoer? Well, I mean, I, I put down here also The Road to Unfreedom just maybe as a book to reread because, like you t- we touched on a little bit ago, is that, like, the events in Russia and Ukraine are so um, just just ugly, and war is ugly, and and it's just you know um, maybe rereading the Road to Freedom would help um, continue to shed light on exactly what's going on there, and to um, <laughs> you know remember that Russia is definitely uh, not uh, not on our not we should not be on the side of Russia. We should not. Uh, let Russia get away with what they're doing in Ukraine. So um, that's clear cut, and that's um, it's good to remember that. Yeah, that the book uh, provides a lot of uh, insight into their like intentions and goals of the country. Which you know, it's good to read like a broad range of sources. And but obviously, like this guy is an expert in an area, so it's a good pick. Brian, another question for you. Have we ever changed our mind about a book after hearing the other's viewpoint? I know we mentioned maybe one or two already, but uh, which ones come to mind? I talked to you up from uh, On the Road, one or two. Is it any others like that? Um, it's a good question. I think I, I not. I can't really think of very. I mean, like I I think you always have good points, so I I like talking about the books. Yeah. Um. I I I think. What I put here was definitely on the road was a, a specific memory of you talking me up for, on that one. And then, but like, it's just, you know, it's just nice to, you know, I like when I select a book, I appreciate getting other people's feedback on like how you enjoyed them. And wh- even when you didn't, you know, like you can rip Malcolm Gladwell to the cows come home and that's fine. <laughs> that's your opinion. And I appreciate, you know, your independent thought on that. Um, but then there's times like when the book thief was one, I know I picked a book, I had heard of it and I don't know if you knew much about it, but it just, it seemed like you liked that much more than I did even. And, and that was kind of cool to see, you know, a book that I was interested in that I wanted to read, but then have you have it impact you even more was, was kind of cool. So I kind of flipped yeah. the question around, but you can go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think. You know, I know there have been times when we talked about something and I'm like, you know, I was going to give it a two, but I'm going to give it a three after our great discussion. Um, I just couldn't remember a lot of those specifically. Uh, but uh, I think one example is probably like Rendezvous with Rama, where I had a little trouble getting into that one. I think as far as sci-fi goes, he's very, uh, he's a great author as far as like coming up with, you know, certain worlds or that kind of thing. But I just didn't get as into it. I don't know if like, 
something like Ted Chiang style, like the characters and philosophical angle maybe spoke to me more, but you just kept talking about the spaceship stuff and got really excited. So that maybe, uh, you know, helped me get a little more in, into the book. Yeah. And that's so, cool. Yeah, yeah. Good point. Because like, I agree with you that rendezvous with Rama was a slow build. He was describing the, the, the spaceship and their procedure of approaching the spaceship and all this stuff. But I tell you what, man, the reason I gave it a five was just because I had such a clear image of what he was explaining in my head. And like sometimes that, and that doesn't happen to me a whole lot when I'm reading like fiction, especially like science fiction, like Dune, uh, you know, like when they talk about the palace or, you know, like I can kind of picture the sandworms, but like other things when they're talking about stuff in Dune, I'm not really like the, the, the image in my mind isn't crisp. It's like, you know, it's like someone who needs glasses but lost their glasses and just sees a bunch of blurry types, shapes and colors and kind of outline big, big outlines. So that's how I most like, cause I don't really read, I don't really read words on a page and see a clear, clear, clear image in my head a lot of times, but with rendezvous with Rama, it happened and it was just so, um, it just helped me. It just engaged me so much in the, with the book then because I could see it and I, and just went with it. And I, I liked how he unfolded the story. But yeah, yeah, I, I think that speaks to the challenge of like uh, screenwriters and um, movie directors and producers like adapting works. I think like with Dune, the newest movie, they did a great job with the setting, I think, you know, as far as how it looks, but I'm sure it's not easy. And there probably hasn't been a rendezvous with Rama movie because it's, <laughs> you know, maybe there has been, but I'm sure that would be tough to adapt as well. I, I agree. I think it would be tough to adapt because like in today's, especially today with today's movie goers expect like action and like other things like there's not much that happens about Rama. Like, I mean, if they couldn't <laughs> remember Annihilation when they tried to adapt that book, you didn't read it Annihilation in the book. You just saw the movie with the Silver Surfer, right? <laughs> yeah, I I heard there are a lot of disappointed fans of the book. Yeah, I mean, a lot more happens in Annihilation than there's in the movie, but it's just that that's a hard one to adapt. I give them kudos for trying to adapt it, but but no, that's a good one. Um, yeah. All right, should we move on to the next one? Yeah, Tim. Is there a book that you regret picking? So uh, I had a, at least a couple, um, probably more, but the ones that came to mind were uh, To the Lighthouse and The 100-Year-Old Man Who Climbed Out the Window and Disappeared. Uh, <laughs> the first one, I think it's just because it's such like deep literature and maybe it's one of those ones that's probably better to discuss in like an English seminar class. Um but I didn't get a lot of enjoy enjoyment out of it. And I think it's kind of like a stream of conscious consciousness book that's sort of hard to follow. Um, the 100 year old man is kind of like uh, on the other end of the spectrum in the sense that it's, I don't think it's deep. It's just very dumb. And I don't think it's very like endearingly dumb and funny. It was just like <laughs> he did all these things and none of it is very funny. And it was just like, what What was the takeaway after reading like a relatively like long book? Like it just like didn't have a lot going for it for me. Right. Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the 100 year old man book was could have been shorter by 100 pages easily because like by the time he, you get it, it's the same thing. He goes somewhere else and he meets a, another famous person and all this other things. So it's like, uh, I, yeah. Um, and to the lighthouse, I agree with you. It's like to the lighthouse needs to be read in a setting where you have people explain what she's actually meaning. You know, because like sometimes it's like, you know, I, I could give you kudos for picking a classic, you know, a classic piece of a, of literature and all that stuff. But um, yeah, that was, yeah, it's okay. We all, we all strike out. Because like for me, I mean, like the two I thought of were like Notes from the Underground because I, I just wanted to read Dostoevsky and I was like the shortest book. And it's like, I wasn't really into it. It was one of those where like, I feel like we were going to read something else and then I changed my mind. So I wasn't really like set on what to read. Um, so I kind of settled on notes from the underground and didn't really enjoy it as much as I was hoping for. And then the other one I regret picking is Pioneers, unfortunately. I know like David McCullough is a titan in historical nonfiction, but I, I think what I'm learning is, you know, maybe I got to be selective in my historical nonfiction and it's got to be more narrative or what is it? What was it about? I mean, like, it, I don't know. It just, it just didn't resonate with me and I, I I guess I had high higher hopes for that book too than like some of the other ones I picked so that that's why that's on my list yeah I think that one for me like it just because it covered early American history which I'm interested in already I liked it for that you know just by virtue of that 
But um, the other one you said, Notes from the Underground, I just didn't remember a lot about it. Like, I read Crime and Punishment and loved that one by Dostoevsky. But uh, yeah, I didn't, I don't think I took a lot away from uh, Notes from the Underground. Yeah. It's what it is. Yeah. Maybe t- yeah. Can't pick all winners. <laughs> no. No. Uh, point. No. <laughs> yeah. You got to, you know, try things out. And uh, it's just part of the risk of reading. Um, okay. So would we change any of our past ratings? Uh, is that one we talked about already? Or are kind of, I just mentioned on the road, really. I changed it from a two to yeah. one. I just, I, there's a couple that I immediately thought of. You know, on the road, I would bump it from a two to one. The coddling of the, the coddling of the American mind, I would bump it up from a four to a five because, and that is a testament to how much it has stuck with me over the years. Um, there's other ones that I really liked that are fours, like Breaking the Two-Party Doom Loop and Humankind, A Hopeful History. Those are both really good books because I like the topic, the subject matter. But when they were actually written and reading them, you know, like a five to me should be reserved. Those are both fours, so I can't really bump it up to a five because those have to be fantastic books. But there's actually a book I I gave a five that I'm going to bump down. Ooh, and that is... That is American War. Uh, not a fan anymore. No, I mean, like, I think I got caught up in the way he told the story because he had like, you know, it was a, the story about the Second Civil War and that happened, and then there was a North and a South, and like he had each at the start of each chapter, he had like little news clippings or other things that help explain what was going on in the world. And then he talked about this main character who was a woman who assassinated somebody, and then she was on the run and. And all this stuff. So I really got caught, swept up in the way he delivered the story and the whole aspect of the two, you know, the second civil war, what happened and now climate change is raising the sea levels and all this stuff that I didn't like looking back at it. I'm like, yeah, the storyline of the character, like the character is not that likable and the storyline of her actions are not, is not that great. So I'm actually going to bump it from a five to a three now. Ooh, dude, two star drop. Dang it. Yeah, I give that one a three as well. Um, but I did, I do remember watching an interview with the author, and he's of like Middle Eastern descent. And I think what he was going for is he was saying like, you know, there are all these civil wars in that part of the country in the Middle East, and that part of the world. And um, I think a lot of Americans or people in the West feel disconnected from that because they don't really have a reference point. So I think his aim or his intention was to kind of like, you know, maybe people can develop more empathy for like tough situations overseas if they imagine what it'd be like to have like a civil war type situation even though like obviously like the climate change stuff is different than maybe what's going on like currently uh in some places but i think uh that overall aim was um an interesting way to to think about it so yeah, yeah. um so yeah but i'm not i, I didn't love the book <laughs> good good intention uh follow, carry out uh mediocre <laughs> Did you have any books that you okay. think? I think just Malcolm Gladwell, uh, 2.5 down to two. Um, yeah. I mean, Blink, what was it even about? Like, who knows? Thinking without thinking, like trusting our sudden in- instincts or impulse or like our first gut, maybe something, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, was that Blink or is that one of his newer books? No, that's Blink, Thinking Without Thinking. Like, oh, okay. I mean, thinking of. Yeah, he had talking with strangers. <laughs> That's what I was thinking of. Um, it was just more yeah, it, making judgments of people, initial judgments of people. Or, yeah. Yeah, and I should be open-minded. I think he does like talk about some interesting things here and there. But like at the end of the day, he's a journalist, and these are like scientific topics. And maybe just the way he talks in like, interviews bothers me to sound very like <laughs> self-assured. Very petty. And very petty. All right. Uh, what's uh? Is it my question? Next? I I mine. I think. Is there an author we've come to appreciate more after just discussing their work in depth? Yeah, I'm gonna go with um, David Sedaris on this one, uh, which I think I'd only read a little bit by him before, but um, this was a Brian Pig Calypso, and I just think you know he does such a great job of you know blending like kind of serious life situations with humor and obviously like enjoyed some of the stories more than others but i think there's just no one writing uh quite like him or uh quite as well in that particular kind of genre so 
Yeah, I think he's great. Right. I agree. I That was one of the names I put down, too. The other name was Ted Chang, author of okay. my book, Exhalation. And clearly, I could just go get more books by Ted Chang and check them out. We should just do it, Ted Chang podcast, and uh, <laughs> just <laughs> each episode dig into one of his stories. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> An audience for like 12 people out there. <laughs> hey, that's bigger than our current one. <laughs> 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 nah, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So let me ask you then, uh, Brian, are there any themes or subjects we've become more interested in as a result of our discussions? Well, I would say just I think I touched on this before, but just generally nonfiction overall. I've I've become more interested in 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 seeing what books are released, you know, throughout the year and 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 trying to restrain myself from going to the bookstore buying all you know like 12 books and knowing i'm never going to read them until next a year or two later um but um i think it's also helped it's you know doing this podcast has also helped me narrow what kind of nonfiction i like you know you know historical nonfiction i have to be choosy with um business nonfiction. i'm probably not the biggest fan of i know you picked a couple of those because that's your wheelhouse which is fine I'm, i'm happy to read them but like Probably not personally. I'll, I'm, I'll stick to more like current events, societal, uh, ha- you know, like changes or, or um, you know, psycho- psychology or politics or whatnot. But yeah. What about you? Yeah. Uh, well, uh, somewhat along the same lines as like nonfiction is I thought that book Prisoners of Geography was pretty interesting. Just talking about how like geography shapes our history and politics and modern world. Um, so that's sort of a subgenre of like political uh, nonfiction and, um, that kind of thing. So I thought that was good. Okay. So another question for you, Brian, how do you feel our dynamic as co-hosts has influenced the depth or direction of our book discussions? Well, I think, I think we have a good dynamic, but I'm biased because we're friends. Uh, but, um, like I, I kind of feel like, um, I just kind of show up and shoot from the hip and just kind of like say things as they come to me. And Tim has either questions or notes or something he's done at least a little bit. Um, uh, you know, I feel like you. Know, when we first started, we were like highlighting passages we found particularly moving or, uh, or or that we wanted to share. And I'm kind of glad we went away from that. Like, sure, like if there's a quote or something, I think like we are feel free to to say it during the the episode during recording the podcast. But I feel like uh, the first couple times it felt a little forced saying all the the nice quotes we felt like we liked from the books so i'm kind of glad our our conversation is closed more now and i feel like we do a good job of going back and forth and and getting uh more eloquent uh statements out of each other because i'm sure you know oh the wise man that said that books are like relationships yeah <laughs> said that in the course of a great conversation he had with his co-host you know yeah uh yeah it took you to help and get that uh profound uh idea out of it <laughs> but um yeah i think i would agree with what you said i think it felt a little forced to say all the quotes that we did towards the beginning i think the more natural our conversations are the better they are and like if we're just talking like we would like at a bar or restaurant or something um i probably for me i've struggled to like find the right tone and pacing like i think too often i try to just throw in the little short sarcastic comment and try to be funny or something that probably doesn't add a lot to the discussion uh but thankfully brian laughs a lot so i have a gracious audience um but i think you know i was just thinking of like a lot of podcasts and like old radio show styles have that like really quick like back and forth dynamic and you know like we could try to do that but at the same time it's like i think i just need to relax more and settle in and just figure like we're, we should just talk over we talk and if people like it or not like that's fine like we don't we shouldn't try to be something that we're not basically so um yeah i'm sure to a lot of people it's a little dry and boring and we're not like the gonna be hot on tiktok or go viral but it's all good <laughs> like i feel like that's that's kind of what we the way we approached it was that like people just kind of like drop in to listen to an a pot an, an episode they're interested in or or they've read this book and they're like, oh yeah, that's my favorite book. I want to know more about it, you know? And, and so like, we, I don't think, I think just the nature of this podcast is difficult to 
maintain a, a fan base that will listen no matter what we we discuss um but you know there's people out there that do that and we appreciate you john <laughs> <laughs> yeah shout out to john <laughs> one of many shout outs uh that reminds me of our only review we have several ratings from our friends who would just probably give us five stars because they're nice but uh we have one actual written review one star for uh what was that book where the crawdads sing because we I, I think it was me like misremember like one of the names of the character is there like <laughs> struggled for a second to like place that one they're like didn't even know who this person's talking about like okay like <laughs> sorry we didn't uh nail it but again we're pretty casual so yeah it's what it is all right so uh, a couple more questions here is there a book we discussed that has influenced our daily lives or ways of thinking in unexpected ways? um i would say yeah honestly day-to-day like probably not a lot of books but the one that i thought about was the year of living danishly because um i thought a lot about uh that concept of huga uh still not 100 sure on the pronunciation but um h-y-g-e that scandinavian or a danish idea where it's like your home should be a very comfy place especially like in the winter and as it's getting like cold and rainy it's kind of a nice reminder to like make your place a really pleasant sensory um environment and um yeah i think that book had a lot of like interesting things and just the idea of someone moving to a new place and adapting really to some elements of it so yeah what about you did you have any in this category yeah i mean that's a good one i feel like you know um yeah that was a good good one to point to point to i mean i think i kind of touched on some of these like coddling of the american mind has helped me think about you know just society in general and how kids are raised um in today's society with technology and social media and whatnot um you know uh, in unexpected ways um i mean again like the the laws of human nature was one i thought about routinely after i had read it um just in general about like you know because i felt like that one was more applicable because like you could you could see like examples of uh, diff- the personalities of the people around you and how they might re- be reflected in the examples that Robert Greene put in his book. Um, yeah, those would be the two main ones I, I can think of off the top of my head. Do you think about how much you hate on the road every day? Does <laughs> <laughs> that influence you? <laughs> sometimes, sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> It'll just come to you in a moment. Yeah. That freaking book. Oh, <laughs> Kerouac. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. Last one is it's my question. Okay. Mm-hmm. So last question for you, Brian. Have there been times when we felt particularly emotional or passionate about a book's message or characters? Well, you see, for me, um, this is. I mean, I would say I have felt emotional about fictional characters before. But looking back through this list of books that we've read, this fifty books, I mean, half of them are fiction, um, and I and I and like I felt like I couldn't quite get there on some of the on most of these fiction books. But you know, going back to the question, it's um, have there been times when we felt particularly emotional or passionate about a book's message or characters? So about a book's message, for me, the one I felt the most passionate about is breaking the two party doom loop. Um, you know, I felt like. It was very, it was a political analysis of America's political system uh, and why we have two parties and what, 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 why that is wrong or, or is creating this doom loop in the title. And so it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of a dry read at times, which was the reason I gave it a four, not a five. But I will have to say that overall, the two party system in America for me has just shown that it is not, um, not working quite frankly um it may have worked for a long time when and i think this they talk he talks about this in the book when really historically we've had like republicans and democrats but within the democrats there were moderate democrats and there was super liberal democrats and within the republican party there was moderate republicans and super right right wing republicans but now today everything is just so divided either left or right democrat or republican that is just is hurting the country really um and so for me, that is, I, I'm a believer of, of ranked choice voting and multi-representative uh, uh, districts to represent 
to elect House of Representative members so that we can hopefully have more than two parties so we have more than two choices when it comes to election because every year every while these two you know people when i think most of america is crying out for better options and they're not getting them yeah <laughs> that was a great book actually i think um i would agree with a lot of that i don't know it just seems such like an oversimplification to only have these two major parties and I don't know if it's just because like America has this kind of sports mentality where it's like, what team are you on and who are you, who are you siding with? But I think there are a lot more like moderate leaning people than might, it might seem like at, you know, at their core. So, um, yeah, there's so many factors that have contributed to polarization. I think over the last couple of decades too, that it's, you can't just point to one thing and say, this is the problem. So it's, you know, it's a tough problem and there's not easy solutions, but yeah, something like ranked choice voting, I've thought about too, after, uh, reading that book and like it just seems like a common sense solution and maybe there are drawbacks but like you just rank your most favorite person and then that could encourage more moderate people because you know everyone's second choice is probably going to get picked and so it's better than like everyone's first or fourth you know pick being chosen right so it could encourage less extreme political debates and uh sensationalist type news and that kind of thing right Mm-hmm. Exactly, so, and that, that's what we need. We just need we just need something to cool the temperature of our political discourse right now. It's just out of control, and and I don't see any end in sight, unfortunately, because the people that remain in power don't like it because they're not going to remain in power if we implement this. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I'm trying to be optimistic about it, but uh, we'll see how things develop. We just got to do our part and keep reading books. <laughs> that's right, man. But like, but you, I. For you to answer this question now, have there been times yeah. when you felt particularly emotional or passionate about a book's message or characters? Uh, I talked a bit about it already, but I would say like When Breath Becomes Air was just such a great book because it's someone facing their mortality and it just, yeah, it makes you think about your day-to-day life and how you want to live. And like, you know, he was doing this meaningful job in like healthcare and his life was, you know, tragically like cut short. So, um, yeah, it's just something I, I think back on sometimes, um, and then on somewhat of a lighter note, I think anxious people, maybe just because we read it recently and just fresher in my mind, but like, I didn't love the book overall. Like it's not one of my favorites, but I do like the message of like, you know, here are all these neurotic people who are just sort of like quirky and compulsive in different ways, but it's sort of like you're trying to like give, uh, help give sympathy to this wide range of cast of characters. And I think that's a good message as well. Just like everyone's got a weird thing that they're struggling with. And so we should just all kind of cut each other some slack. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Nice. I thought you were going to say something about the book thief too. Is that how you, Oh, I love the book thief. It's just, I forget a lot about what happened, <laughs> <laughs> but I did love it. <laughs> and you did. All right. Well, but anyway, so where do we go from here? We've covered 50 books. Two guys, one book has become two guys, 50 books for this episode. But um, but we've enjoyed it so far, but we may not know when our next book will be coming down the chute. How about that? Yeah, we're going to go on a hiatus until our huge fan base starts uh, protesting in the streets and demanding um, more episodes get released. So... You know, I, John and the other one or two people that are still listening, you got to get out there, spread the message, just demand uh, more episodes. Yeah. But, but we want to, you know, you can still check us out on twoguysonebook.com and you can, uh, you know, keep reading books in your own life. And, and maybe, you know, this, this conversation will help you pick up other books that you may not always have picked up or explore Ted Chang at the very least. There you go. Let's go ahead and end it. All right. So until next time, keep reading. Keep reading. Cool, man. All right.